Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the folks from MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs. I'll be honest, uh, full disclosure here, I am a member of MUCC. In fact, I am a proud member of MUCC. I think they're doing a wonderful job in protecting our state's natural resources. One of the reasons for that, MUCC's Chief Information Officer, Nick Green, joins us on the phone line for this edition, this January edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Nick, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again, Mike. Well, always a pleasure. Listen, since the last time we've talked, though, a lot of things have happened in your world, haven't they? It has. You know, it was a busy, busy lame duck session this year, uh, as we often get every two years when the legislature turns over. Um, So we had a lot of bills that we were working, a lot of bills we've been working for some time. Uh, We had a lot of bad bills come up that we helped to try to kill or or at least change and amend uh, to where we could go neutral. So it's been it's been a busy month. Bad bills. I I mean, did did they take you by surprise or is this something that happens on a regular basis where you see something come up and you think, what in the world is the reasoning for that? (laughs) So, you know, we have pretty good feelers in the Capitol uh, and we know when kind of some of those things are going to come down the pipeline. Uh, Oftentimes, we know before they're even put into bill language. Uh, But, you know, one example I can think of that was really covered in the press was Senate Bill 1211. uh, And that was the bill that would have changed kind of the wetland, um, you know, what constitutes a wetland on private land. Uh, and what, what um, Senator Casperson was trying to do was allow landowners to not have to require a permit uh, to get rid of or change or whatever, or whatever you will, uh, with wetlands under, or excuse me, under 10 acres. Uh, so that's what the way the current bill reads, and he wanted to drop that down to five. Um, so we worked hard on that bill. Uh, Ducks Unlimited worked hard on that bill, Trout, Trout Unlimited. Uh, and we were able to, that bill still has went to the governor, um, but we were able to work very hard on that bill uh, and get it watered down to the point where it kind of cleaned up some legal definitions, um, but it, it got rid of the acreage uh, change and it, it got rid of really anything that environmentalists or conservationists were kind of concerned about. Uh, so that's one of our biggest examples of kind of you know, a bad bill that we really work hard to not not let go through. Uh, and that's that's a lot of what we do at MECC, and you don't see that's kind of the behind-the-scenes work. Our, you know, we are passing legislation, and we are helping to write some bills uh, for hunting and angling uh, exposure to increase, but also we're working very hard to make sure that some of these bad bills don't get passed. You know, uh, at first blush, I would think, well, going from 10 acres down to 5 acres, is it really that big a deal? But I know from talking with you guys, it was a big deal. It is a big deal. It was. So some estimates, um, there was a a pretty big quote that that gained a lot of following. I don't know where it came from exactly. It might have been a a DEQ or an MEC quote uh, that talked about it could be up to 50% of Michigan's wetlands. Hmm. Um, So that's a substantial amount. You know, when you're thinking of ducks and, and snakes and lots of amphibians and, and waterfowl that really rely on these wetlands that are on private land, um, you know, it, it would have been, and not to say that all those people would have converted their wetlands or, or filled them in, uh, 
but just allowing the opportunity is not something we're for. Uh, so it could have had substantial a uh, substantial impact on our our game and non-game species. Um, but we were we were glad we had help. We had you know we had partners from the Michigan Environmental Council, uh, who we haven't worked with in quite some time. Uh, it was really this this great grassroots effort of everyone coming together to fight this bill. Uh, another bill that I thought was absolutely ludicrous, and I don't know where it came from, a proposed uh, bill would have been to repeal the bottle law that MUCC worked so hard on to get passed. Where in the world would that come from, Nick? So that's a lot of your, a lot of the stores, uh, the people who have to deal with those machines. Um, you know, they're paying out to have someone staff those machines. Uh, you know, when you start to think about the logistics of a recycling pop bottles you can see where there is cost involved in that and those costs aren't necessarily something they make so they are charging that 10 cent deposit but they're having to pay someone to to either empty machines or sort them or count them or or whatever um but it was a bill you know we we were instrumental in the original bottle bill passing uh mecc collected ballot positions you know we were we were a pretty big pretty big piece of that um in it was on our radar for sure, uh, but we we were pretty confident early on that it wasn't going to have legs, and it never did get legs. It mm. kind of just died in committee. Um, but <laughs> certainly there are bad ideas that come up from time to time, uh, <laughs> and some of them like that catch us by surprise. This is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. If you want to learn more about MUCC, check out the website, MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. The Facebook page, Facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And on Instagram at MUCC1937. We are talking with MUCC Chief Information Officer Nick Green about the rush of activity at the end of 2018 with the lame duck legislature. Uh, Nick, what else came out of that time period that we should be aware of? So one of our big bills that we got passed uh, was House Bill 5321. Uh, we worked very hard with Representative Cole on this bill. Uh, and what it did was it created a four-year moratorium uh, for the department to issue sterilization permits on game species, uh, and any species for that matter. Um, but this kind of stemmed out of what is going on in Ann Arbor. So currently in Ann Arbor, we have a third-party private company called White Buffalo. Uh, they are sterilizing deer in Ann Arbor in an attempt to kind of control the population, you know, control, control human deer interactions, things like that. Uh, we as hunters know that the most effective way to manage our deer herds are through hunting. Um, so we fought that bill, or excuse me, we, we wrote a lot of that bill language. We fought kind of that initial, initial permit that the DNR issued, uh, which whenever we talk about it, we always put the, the quotation fingers up for a research permit because uh, that's what it was issued as. Uh, and in our mind, that's, that's really not the right way to go about things. Uh, so essentially, House Bill 5321 creates a moratorium uh, on the sterilization of game species. And at least what it's going to do is White Buffalo is going to be able to collect the data. Uh, and then the DNR, the Natural Resources Commission, and the legislature will have time to kind of look through all the scientific findings and see if it even is a, a uh, viable way to manage game species. So that was a pretty big win for us. Um, another one for us was House Bill 5854 and 5855. These were voluntary wetland restoration bills. Uh, these both got passed. DU worked very hard on this. Uh, we kind of helped where we could with them. Um, you know, so really what this did was created a program to streamline permits 
so people could kind of have that have have restoration on wetlands done on their property. Uh, that was a big one for us. Um, trying to think of trying to think of some other ones that were big. The you know probably our biggest loss of the session was Senate Bill 1035. Um, so for a number of years now, we've been hearing from some of our private sportsmen's clubs uh, that they have been started to be assessed property taxes um, when when they weren't before, or you know now the the property taxes have increased. Uh, and our reasoning is that a lot of these are, are either they're 501c3s or they're they're charitable sportsmen's clubs. So you know they're allowing law enforcement to come in, use the ranges. They're serving as polling locations. Uh, they're serving as locations for the, the community to meet at a reasonable charge. Um, and we didn't find it fair that they were being, you know, one club, for example, I think it was Rockford Sportsman's Club. Uh, they got like a $20,000 tax bill, oh. and they had never been getting that. Um, so it was really a big surprise to them. And we, we worked hard on that bill. We thought it was going to go to the governor, uh, and they caucused uh, Thursday morning, uh, the last Thursday before they adjourned. And they ended up getting the bill killed and never came out or voted on. Um, so it was a pretty big loss for us. Uh, we're going to continue to have that as a priority in 2019. Uh, we want to work with townships, municipalities, you know, school districts, uh, and see they were the biggest uh, opponents of it. And the reason was that they were citing revenue that they might lose. So there's not really a known revenue because not every sportsman's club is being taxed. Um, but it's a revenue, revenue stream they could lose. So we want to work with them. We want to come up with something that we feel is fair, uh, especially, you know, when you are talking, you know, you're not talking about these big hunt clubs that make thousands and thousands of dollars for a hunt. You're talking about your normal gun and rod club. Um, you know, membership dues often aren't that expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, they are providing range services. They're providing hunter, hunter, hunter's education for kids, um, oftentimes at no cost. So, those are what we're trying to affect, and we will continue to have that as a priority into 2019. We're talking with uh, MUCC's Chief Information Officer, Nick Green, on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Again, a reminder, if you want to learn more about any of the topics that Nick and I are discussing today, you can check out the website, MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. Always stay up to date on their Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And if you are on Instagram, the rapidly growing social media platform, Instagram, check them out at MUCC1937. Nick, what about, what about the proposed legislation that would have allowed the catch of lake trout for commercial anglers? How did that uh, end up? Thank you for reminding me. Uh, that bill also died, so that was one we fought hard against. Um, and that was another Casperson-sponsored bill. Uh, and what he was trying to do, essentially, I mean, where, where his argument came out of was that these commercial fishermen who are fishing for whitefish, I believe, hope I'm correct there, um, were, were getting a bycatch of lake trout. Uh, and they didn't want to have to throw the lake trout. But, but when, we, when we got rid of that, that legislation, what it effectively did was said you could, anyone could commercial fish for lake trout. Uh, and we are, of course, opposed to that. Our members are opposed to that. Uh, we don't feel that any sport fish should be open to commercial fishing. Um, so we fought hard on that bill, uh, and we got it kind of buried in committee, and it went away. It went away. <laughs> it went away. <laughs> well, and, and that uh, another reason why it was key to make that go away was it could have set some very dangerous precedents 
for the big uh, tribal negotiations coming up uh, in just a couple of years. Yeah, 2020, we'll have the consent decree. So every, you know, I think it's been 15 years since we did it. Uh, you know, we have to negotiate with the tribes. And that's kind of, in most cases, that's what sets our, our limits. Uh, it sets our, what our take can be, what our possession limits. Um, you know, so it, it could have had very big ramifications had the tribes been able to leverage that against us and say, well, now you're catching lake trout for commercial use. Uh, we want to be able to catch perch or we want to be able to catch salmon or, you know, whatever for commercial use. So, it, you know, those are all hypotheticals, uh, but they were certainly within the realm of possibility when you, when you look at what has happened with former tribal negotiations and what could happen. Um, so we, we just didn't want to hastily rush into anything uh, with commercial fishing. And we are going to have in place, we had some, some language we had put into a bill we wrote, uh, and it actually makes it a little bit harder and defines, you know, how you can be a commercial fisherman. So, you know, one of the examples is we want to know where your nets are. They need to be marked and be able to be found on a smartphone or on a digital device. Um, and we, those are also things we're going to work on in 2019. That's kind of a priority for us uh, in the whole end game of that is that so we can go into a better negotiating place when we start with the consent decrees in 2020. What role will MUCC play in those negotiations? You know, I haven't asked much about that, Mike. Um, Our executive director, Dan Eichinger, or our deputy director, Amy Trotter, will certainly be involved. Um, But I'm not I'm not real familiar. I knew that I know they do have stakeholders in, um, but I'm not familiar with how that process actually shakes out. You know, I wasn't wasn't that old when the last one happened. Um, so I'm still learning kind of about sure, that. end. Sure. But, I, I, you know, our members will have a say. Uh, we'll have a voice somewhere in that process. You know, I, I think we as MUCC members are so fortunate to have a guy like Dan Eichinger in charge and Amy Trotter uh, second in command and you, Nick, as chief information officer, um, because you guys are willing to get into the meat of things. I mean, you don't mind. Well, you might mind it, but you'll do it. You'll sit through hours of boring testimony to get to the meat of the matter so the rest of us don't have to. And I appreciate that. Yeah, we do. So, you know, for example, the last week of lame duck, uh, I think Amy was at the Capitol from 7.30 in the morning till maybe 7 at night uh, (laughs) and then went home and then came back. Uh, So they didn't adjourn until 4 or 5 in the morning. I know that she didn't stay that whole time, but, you know, she's got to be there because things can happen very, very fast in lame duck. uh, And thankfully we're over that. You know, once once we we get this new kind of turnover of legislators, um, we still have a Republican House majority uh, in Senate. But we will certainly have to work a little harder. As you can imagine, a lot of our bills uh, require more work on the left side of the aisle. Um, but but we'll get there. You know, we'll work with with Whitmer. We'll work with whoever is, is put into position. Dan said that numerous times. I've said that. Amy said that. Um you know, so that's that's what we're here for is we're here to be in Lansing. We're here to be at the Capitol, kind of the watchdog over our hunting and fishing rights, if you will. Having said that, that you are willing to work with whoever is in power, and I, I, I understand that and I appreciate that. Do you know yet what you're dealing with? I mean, was did, did she have any kind of a track record dealing with environmental or wildlife or fishing or hunting issues in the past that even gives you an indication of how she's thinking? She didn't, so she never 
to our the little bit of research I've done, and Amy's dug into this much more, uh, she didn't have any history of sponsoring uh, or openly fighting bills that were, you know, pro-game species or pro-hunter fisher. Uh, so we just really don't know yet. Uh, you know, she didn't, she didn't really talk about uh, hunting and fishing as a priority throughout her camp- campaign, which isn't surprising with a Democrat. Um, but she certainly talked about things like Line 5, which are, are, you know, we are an affiliate of the National Wildlife Federation, uh, and a big part of what they're doing right now in Michigan is, is trying to kind of bunk up the Snyder Line 5 deal. Um, and, you know, so, so she certainly has placed some emphasis on, on outdoor things that will affect all hunters and anglers, uh, whether it's the true hook and bullet things yet, we don't really know. Um, but it doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't have a spot to talk about clean water and to talk about clean air. Uh, so we'll we'll find kind of our niche, uh, and it'll be interesting when her administration gets rolling. You know, she still has to appoint a DNR director. That'll that'll oh, kind yeah. of dictate, yeah. dictate you know what goes which way. Um, so it's big things are going to happen, and we're just kind of we're waiting to see how all of that shakes out. And then in in January we'll be back talking with these people and doing what we've always done. Well, you know, thank you for reminding me that the uh, DNR director is an appointee. I mean, I, I knew that, but I'd kind of, in the in the mix of everything going on, forgotten about it. That will be a very big appointment, won't it? That is. So that's that's important. Why, when you vote, you know, you're not just voting on a on a politician, or you know, you're you're essentially voting on someone who then who then surrounds themselves with their cabinet, all these appointed positions. Uh, so it's very important when you try to vote and you look at track records and you look at where they stand on issues um, or else you make sure that they're getting someone in that's fit for the job, um, which, which we're sure uh, Whitmer will do. Uh, we don't really have a lot of indication yet. Um, but, you know, again, we're going to work with who we have. Well, and, and, and I appreciate that. I think, I think we all do appreciate that. And we'll be looking at this all very closely. Uh, Nick, listen, before I let you go, i got to bring up one more thing, if you don't mind. And we did talk nope. about this on my Outdoor Magazine radio show, but I want to follow up here on the podcast. Um, as you know, I was at a meeting at the Chelsea Rod and Gun Club back in December at a policy committee meeting. And, you know, I, I am pushing for a particular resolution. It doesn't matter what that is at this point. But the fact is that MUCC is such a grassroots organization and that you allow individual members to come in and present a resolution, I can't say enough about that, Nick. That that I, I'm so excited about this, regardless of which way this goes. The fact that I, as an individual member, had that opportunity to me means a lot. Yeah, I mean that's that's a testament to kind of the weight we carry. Um, so, for example, you know, being able to use a 450, uh, that was you know in Southern Michigan. 450 Bushmaster. That was an MUCC resolution brought forward by a member. Uh, we we did the legwork in that. We implemented it and we got it passed. Um, so those are the kinds of things we do, uh, and it, it really is a grassroots process. You know, staff isn't isn't coming up with these resolutions. You can look back to 1937 uh, when we were formed, and these have all been member resolutions that were brought forward. And the staff will help kind of refine them. Say, well, these are the legalities of what you're talking about. Uh, this is why it could is a good idea. This is why it isn't. Um, and then we'll also gather DNR input. We'll gather other stakeholder input. Um, you know, and you you we really put the power in our members' hand. And the, the staff are there to help, but we rely on our members to write those resolutions for us. And anybody, any MUCC member has access to this uh, process. 
They do. So we have quarterly policy meetings. Uh, we, before the quarter, quarter, quarterly policy meetings, excuse me, uh, these were all brought to convention and it made for some very long days at convention, which is where we get together every June uh, and members vote on these. And, and certain clubs have more members or have more votes depending on the size of their clubs. Individual members all have a vote and they'll have a representative there. Uh, now we have quarterly policy meetings where we kind of vet these. So we have a wildlife committee, a fisheries committee, an education committee, uh, a shooting committee, and they kind of vet these and they make their own their own kind of recommendations. And, and that all goes through goes through the process. So that way, when we come to convention, it's a very streamlined, you know, this is what the resolution is. Uh, and then it's going to be, you know, you'll see in June, you're going to have to be there to to talk about your resolution. Uh, and I guarantee there are going to be a few people on the other side of the aisle that aren't necessarily in favor of it. Um, and that's just the process. You know, there is great debate that happens uh, and everyone, you know, it, it's very cordial. Everyone leaves with that it, it, happy. Um, but it's it's where the good debate happens at convention. And, and I appreciate that. Again, um, you know, I wouldn't want to make a suggestion and then find out later that it was a flawed uh, a flawed argument. So, you know, I welcome the opportunity to hear all sides in this. And again, just a wonderful example of a, of a grassroots organization. So now after saying how great MUCC is, how do people join and why should they join, Nick? <laughs> so first of all, you should join uh, because we are the only organization in Michigan uh, that strictly is looking out for your hunting, fishing, trapping rights. Um, you know, we are the only ones that have those in mind all the time. Every day we go to work and talk about hunting and trapping. I always joke with people that I, you know, in the way I grew up and the way I live my life, there couldn't be a better job. I go and talk about hunting, fishing every day. Um, you can join by going to MUCC.org. Uh, you can call our offices. Uh, you know, it's very easy now in the digital age. I would say just heading to our website is probably the, the easiest way to join. MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. And um, this is not so much a money-making effort for you guys, not the, the memberships. You're not getting rich off, off this. But what it does do is it gives you clout, right? Because everybody who joins, um, the more people who join, the bigger voice you have. Yeah, our, our membership numbers speak well above and beyond what we make in money. Um, so when you can say, you know, we have 40,000 members, uh, there is no other state-specific conservation organization even nearly as close as, as big as we are. Uh, we are the biggest in the nation that focuses on hunting, fishing in a state-specific style. Um, so, our, our, you know, the numbers of our members, members uh, that's really the weight we carry, and that's why we can do so many great things. Nick, very well said. I appreciate you joining us on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Anything else we should talk about? No, I think we covered most of it, Mike. Very good. Uh, Nick Green, uh, Chief Information Officer from MUCC, appreciate you joining us on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Again, if you want to learn more or if you want to join MUCC, check out the website, MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And on Instagram, at MUCC 1937. And I look forward to talking with you next time right here on the Michigan Out of Doors podcast.